We have some special breaking news for you from the Carpe Fide podcast, and so this is a special bulletin to be released on a non-podcast day. This is strictly just for you to know what's happening. We have released, yes, that is correct, we have released, in association with Trinity Bible Chapel in Waterloo, Ontario, a special shirt. Yes, that's right. You saw it not mo- not more than a month and a half ago on our Instagram profile, and it got 300 and some odd likes. It's fantastic. It's amazing. It is the uh, Done Time, Done Time t-shirt. Have I oversold this already? <laughs> I, don't know. I think it's impossible to oversell it. But yes, we have released a, uh, a t-shirt. It is the Done Time shirt. It is on our website now. So if you are uh, listening to this, uh, you can stop listening to this and go to our website and grab a shirt. We are <clears throat> we are supporting uh, Trinity Bible Chapel. This is actually their design. Uh, they made this shirt for their church, and then they're like, hey, you guys want to sell this? And we're like, yes. Um, so live in both the United States and Canada, um, the Duntime shirt will be donating 30% over to Trinity Bible Chapel. Um, they are they're moving and shaking over there, and um, they've got, they've, I believe they still have some fines to pay. Uh, for keeping their church open, they're uh, you know very well underway for their uh, school that they've started. Um, they've, they've got big, big plans. Uh, yeah, Pastor Jacob Graham's got plans, man. He wants to do university. He wants to get a school up and running. He wants to build that culture that that's going to need to be there. Uh, the, the church culture that's going to need to undergird the new society after it falls apart thanks to the World Economic Forum. Uh, but uh, Yay. that's I mean, why boo. And since it is since it is their design, we are giving thirty percent, which essentially means if you've ever tried to sell a t shirt that uh, we don't do this to make money. So uh, we want to make sure that we can give them as much as possible. Please go get this shirt. It's awesome. It's got handcuffs on the front um, and it says most of my friends have done time on the most back. Of my heroes have done time. Sorry, heroes, friends. What a moron. We do consider him a friend. Uh, but uh, on the back, it's got a list of names of Christians throughout history that have done time, and it ends ultimately at the bottom there with Tim Stevens and uh, James Coates. Uh, so you can go grab that. It's an awesome shirt. It feels absolutely amazing, uh, and we hope that you're encouraged by it, and also we're able to uh, support the ministry in Canada uh, as all these churches uh, are linking hands, uh, whether it be Harvest, uh, Grace Life, uh, Trinity Bible Chapel. These shirts are, are these 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 churches are linking hands and so we want to help them to establish that culture as well uh, so seize the faith this day and go and seize yourself an awesome shirt you will not regret it uh, wear some bold christian apparel get in some tricky conversations and as always seize the faith hey there guys real quick just wanted to give a little intro to this episode 63 of the carpe fide podcast episode 63 episode 63 sorry uh, we had the great honor and privilege to join uh, on John Cooper on the Godly Grunts podcast this week, uh, and he was also gracious enough to let us use the audio um, and send it out to all of you guys. So what you are about to hear is an interview that John did uh, with us for his podcast on uh, prayer in spiritual warfare. Um, so at the beginning of the podcast, you'll hear John jump right into the topic uh, he'll recap a little bit for you his series, which we will link into the show notes. Um, he's done, uh, he's walked through Ephesians 6 and done um, all of the different aspects of spiritual, uh, the spiritual, uh, the spiritual warfare, yep. spiritual warfare, the, armor, the of arm, armor of God. Yep. That's what it was. Yep. I was calling it the spirit of God, but I'm you're like, doing fine, buddy. It's late. But anyway, <clears throat> um, so that that's going to be the interview. Uh, I thought I thought it went well. It, it was, was awesome. Good. We really enjoyed talking about uh, uh, 
prayer and, and bring, spiritual warfare. <laughs> well, bringing it into the battle and making sure that we pray without ceasing and how important it is to be connected to God in that way positionally. So it was excellent. We hope you really are edified by it. Yeah, uh, I think you will be, uh, because I know you guys, I know every single, uh, I don't know, I don't want to oversell this, <laughs> we but do, I, I do we, think, I do think that it will be a, a very beneficial one for you guys to listen to. Yep, special note, we, we do really appreciate uh, all the, the messages you guys send us. Uh, it is awesome to, to get to know you, and uh, and for us to, to even be used by God in, in your lives is a gift. So we're very thankful for you, and hope this episode is encouraging to your soul. Seize the faith and grab a hold of prayer. It is essential. Amen. All right, we're handing it over to John. And so as we go through our spiritual warfare study that we've been going through for the past few weeks, I just wanted to give an outline of, of kind of what we're doing and how we're doing it. So as we view Ephesians 6, 10 through 24 is a typical passage that everyone goes to for spiritual warfare. And uh, reading this, you kind of see it as a uh, manual for our spiritual fight or a, or a tactical operating procedure, uh, you know, a written manual for going through this fight. And so in verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord and in the might of his strength. That's knowing our commander. Our Lord is, is our commander. That's who we take commands from. Um, and that's who we listen to as we fight, who we're fighting for. And then in verse 11, it's put on the full armor of God. So you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. And that's our first enemy. Our first enemy is ourselves. Uh, the schemes of the devil are things that we want to, our flesh wants to fall into. And so the fight starts at standing firm. We have to fight ourselves and stand firm uh, in this fight. And the second uh, enemy that we have, so knowing our enemy is ourselves, and then it's also the devil, the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. And so it's Satan and his world system that he's set up. He influences our culture. He influences our governments. He influences uh, <clears throat> yeah, everything around us. And so as we go through this world, uh, this is one of the things that we battle is Satan. That's our second enemy. And so so now we got to know our kit. We got to know what our armor is. So therefore, take up the full armor of God so you may be able to resist in the evil day, having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth. That's preparedness in the truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, our righteous living protects our vital areas. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel peace. We can stand firm with our feet, uh, firmly rooted in the ground, because of the peace we have with God, because of the gospel. In addition to all, having taken up the shield of faith, which is our mobile cover, we can hide and take refuge behind our faith uh, with with which you will be able to extinguish all flaming arrows of the evil one. Having received the helmet of salvation, which is our, our future glorification, we can't take that death blow because we know that we'll be glorified with Christ uh, in his, you know, when we're, when we're dead. Uh, and the sword of the spirit, uh, which is the word of God. And so last time we looked at uh, wielding the sword of the spirit. And we, that was with despite popular belief. Um, and then after that, we kind of went into two weeks of um, sermons uh, on biblical battle lines. And then now we are getting to our second offensive weapon. So there's two offensive weapons that we're given. We're given the word of God and we're given prayer. And so praying at all times with all prayer and petition in the spirit. And to this end, being on the alert with all perseverance and petition for the saints. 
And so we see that our second offensive weapon that we have is prayer. And as we fight uh, ourselves and as we fight the world systems around us run by Satan, we must be in prayer. And a lot of times we don't really view prayer as warfare. Um, Psalm 11, uh, I wrote, used to have when I was deployed on every single 40 mic mic grenade I had, I had written Psalm 11, uh, 6 on there. And this is a, a prayer that, uh, uh, that David has. And he says in Yahweh, this is starting in verse one of Psalm 11 in Yahweh, I take refuge. How can you say to my soul, flee as a bird, uh, to your mountain. So everyone around him is saying, flee, you know, flee. Uh, For behold, the wicked bend their bow and make ready their arrow upon the string to shoot in darkness at the upright heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? And then he he looks to Yahweh and says, Yahweh is in his holy temple and Yahweh's throne is in heaven. His His eyes behold, his eyelids test the sons of men. Yahweh tests the righteous. And before he gets into the wicked one, we see that this prayer jumps back in Psalm 7 starting in verse 12, and we see the, the complete opposite of what we see with the evil one doing, because this is, this is speaking of God. If a man does not repent, he will sharpen, he, God, will sharpen his sword. He has bent his bow and prepared it. He has also prepared himself with deadly weapons. He makes his arrows uh, fiery shafts. Behold, he traverses, or tra- excuse me, travails with wicked. Behold, he travails with wickedness and conceives mischiefs and gives birth to falsehood. He has dug a pit and hollowed it and has fallen into the hole which he has made. His mischief will return upon his own head and his violence will descend upon his own skull. And we see that right here in verse six, excuse me, verse five, Yahweh tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves violence, his soul hates fire and brimstone and burning wind will be the portion of their cup for Yahweh is righteous. He loves righteousness and the upright will behold his face. This is not something that we normally look at as, as a way to praise God or petition God in prayer. Um, this is not something that we're like, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that fire, brimstone, and burning wind to fall upon the enemy. Um, like I said, I had that written on my 40 mic my grenades to shoot out of my, my grenade launcher. So that way the uh, people knew that it was fire and brimstone from heaven um, coming down on them. From the sky. And so uh, tonight to talk about prayer is warfare, I want to welcome my good buddies from the Carpe Fide podcast, um, Jesse and Justin. What's up, guys? Carpified. <laughs> What's some, up, John? That's how some people say it. Not much. <laughs> uh, <that's>, so, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm just reading Psalm 11 with you, and I'm thinking about the fact that there's grenades and uh i mean there's absolutely uh, what do these grenades explode i'm assuming that you're throwing you don't throw them you put them in a grenade launcher and you thunk, and they fly out it's kind of yeah, like so i'm assuming no one movies. would actually know that there was some <laughs> no, no, no. okay Although on on my hand grenades i had written on one side jesus loves you and on the other side muhammad lied um, so <laughs> that was written on my anger days. So depending on uh, which so piece of shrapnel you got, yeah, you were either I mean, very you were either very disappointed or very encouraged. Well, they wouldn't they wouldn't be able to read Psalm eleven six, but they would be able to certainly fully 
feel. C- come to a full <laughs> fruition and knowledge and understanding of exactly what that passage meant. I was more so thinking that at least if they got the Jesus loves you and they could somehow pull that out, you know, they'd be like, oh, maybe I, maybe I was wrong all along. Jesus does love me. Coming to a salvific point in their moment. Uh, of, you never know. Anyway, it's either here nor there. <laughs> Prayer is spiritual warfare, baby. Yeah, and so the way I got – actually, before I before I say this, just tell everyone a little bit about yourselves. Um, if someone doesn't know what you guys do, who you guys are, the gist. We have no idea what we do. <laughs> my name is Jesse Gruber. My pronouns are he and him. <laughs> Uh, we we are Jesse and Justin Gruber. We are husbands, fathers, uh, local church pastors. We have the Carpe Fide podcast. We have been blessed by God to encourage other churches through the sale of some pretty cool shirts. And uh, we've gotten to know awesome people like one Army Sniper John Cooper um, and many others. Um, we've we've been gifted the the just I don't know God, God does stuff we we are we are very much open to what he does uh, we we try to be faithful and that's all we can do and uh, he has allowed us to bless and serve some of the churches that have been persecuted in uh, Canada over the past two years he's allowed us to uh, to assist in some ministries uh, like the uh, abolition abortion movement and uh, we we're, we're just great we're just grateful we're honestly just grateful so that's who we are <laughs> Agreed. So, somebody once described our podcast like um, like a mix of the Daily Wire, the Babylon Bee, and the Bible. I, I believe someone I, I knew, I know, oh, once I like described that. it that way. <laughs> we're like uh, we're like Ben Shapiro, only not nearly as as well known and without the yarmulke. Yeah, definitely not as the Jewish. fulfillment of the scripture yeah. <laughs> in the Messiah having come in the form of Jesus Christ. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Yeah, so the way, <clears throat> excuse me, I got introduced to you guys um, was we did the uh, September 11th prayer uh, for when we were pulling out of Afghanistan. Um, and then I was interviewed by you guys. You guys kind of told me to start a podcast. But it's kind of funny because literally how we got to know each other was over that day of prayer that we did, the thunderclap um for nine eleven, and uh, so it's only fitting that we talk about prayer tonight. That's a great connection point. I never would have, I never would have remembered that that was. I feel like we've known each other all of our lives. Yeah, and be it, it is does feel that way. It's weird, although we have literally never met in person. <laughs> never met yes. in person yet. Um, yeah, yet. yet. Oh my gosh, what a day that'll be. Uh, <laughs> but the is this where like at the end of the podcast we come like and walk walk through. John's back door and be like, oh, hey, John. Surprise. No, that's that's definitely way. not going <laughs> to. We were here the whole time. Definitely not going to happen. Uh, I, uh, I just remember uh, having such a, a, a fuller picture of what was happening in Afghanistan because of being able to connect with you. And uh, that was really, really awesome. And I think that meant a lot to a lot of people, actually. Uh, yeah. So it was pretty incredible. And it is fitting. It is fitting to talk about prayer. Um and we get to talk about the air war here with uh, with prayer. Calling in, we're calling in the we're calling in the the long range, long range weapons here. Fire. That's yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, and so I usually when I teach prayer is warfare type deal. Whenever I teach this in the Bible studies, is that it's call for fire. Which call for fire in the military for anyone who does not know is you literally are you know poops hitting the fan, and 
you need to get out of there or you're, you've been set in an ambush position, you have these pre-planned targets and you take your radio and you do go through a format that is called call for fire. And as you go through this format at the end, the artillery, which is way back, you know, way back behind you, they send out rounds and they hit the ground and explode. Um, and so call, call for fire is literally calling for fire. And then depending on the situation, you can stay there and you can adjust fire because it's not extremely accurate. So you have to actually adjust them on target. Or if you're just trying to run away, once, once things start exploding, you get a chance to get out of there. <laughs> and so, um, sounds very intense. Yeah. yeah so, so it's, it's fun though, to see it. I was an RTO for a while, which is radio telephone operators, what they call the radio guy. And, uh, and so he does not have a telephone though. It's just a radio. So <laughs> very confusing. Cause when they said that to me, I was like, where's the telephone? Well, <laughs> at one point, anymore. at oh. one point you did, it's you from were... the Latin. It's from the Latin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <exactly. laughs> well, at some point they, they were reliant upon a wire, you know? So, I mean, like it's where you, it's where it all comes from. So, yeah, it's a tradition. Yeah, it's correct. Um, yeah. And so prayer is warfare. Uh, that is a, that is a true statement. Um, and you have laid out a wonderful, uh, several wonderful scriptures here, um, and and I always love uh, connecting these dots. We have so much, we have so much content on prayer as war from the Old Testament, and sometimes mm-hmm. we 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 think we think foolishly as if the Old Testament uh, was a separate a separate thing altogether, instead of uh, the flow of the narrative of redemption throughout the scriptures. And when we come to Ephesians 6, I, one of the amazing things that we see is that everything about the armor of God that he's given us is actually hinging on the prayer. Because no matter how, no matter how you're utilizing either the defensive or offensive um, uh, implements of the armor of God, it will hinge around praying at all times in the spirit which actually connects back to the beginning uh, of this passage in Ephesians 6 and verse 10, where it's to calling us to be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might, which you will only have access to through the prayer in the spirit. And, and everything, everything else here would be like, would be like literally getting dressed for battle and sitting in front of a fire. You're, you're useless. You're not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I mean, I've often said it's. I, well, I didn't often say. I said once, <laughs> sermon, that it's like getting dressed for battle and then just looking straight at the ground. You're you're completely dressed for war. You're in the midst of a, an active war zone and you're staring directly at the ground. Nothing that you have on is going to be able to protect you or save you. You're not going to be able to fight your enemy or defend yourself because your eyes are fixed on the ground. And the, what the prayer simply does is it lifts our head up to the source of our strength. Yep. <laughs> Great input, Jesse. <laughs> I uh, agree. Yeah. <laughs> I concur. <laughs> what else? Is, what else is there to add to it? I mean, the preacher man's going to preach, so just yeah. let, just let me preach. Well, so why do you feel? Why do you feel people don't view prayer as warfare? Because we hear when we hear prayer in the images we see, you know, if you Google image prayer, it's never a war going on. No, it's a bird flying. It's a, it's a bird flying. It's a peaceful brook. It's a, it's a butterfly lapping the nectar out of the, out of the plant. Well, I mean, I'm sure you've touched on this before in the series, but that the reality is 
the reason we don't view prayer. Are you telling me you haven't listened to every single one of these? <laughs> <laughs> you. Wow. You know, I, I feel really bad right now. I haven't listened to every single one of these. And I will rectify this uh, straightway uh, tomorrow, and I will repent. I will repent, and I will lash myself with my uh, flocking tool and instrument. Great. All this right. is how you repent, yeah. people. This is penance. This is how you repent. Yeah. I will atone for my... That's not... That's how it works. Um, the, the reality is, John, no one... The Christian... The, the Christian community has forgotten that it is at war. And so it doesn't actually see any of these things as really true. It doesn't, it, he, you hear the armor of, they hear the armor of God and it's just like, it, it's like heaven. Like it's what we get as a result of, of Christ's salvation. And we just get it. It's just a, a benefit. It's, 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 yeah. it's a right that we have as a Christian. And they don't realize that. No, you are literally in a war for the eternal souls and the weight of God. And it's not, it's not yours to win, but it is, it is your call to fight in. Um, and I, and that, that's the problem. Yeah. I, I think that there's, there's like a really broad overarching problem that, I mean, in, in current American or even North American church right now. And that's, we've been sitting, um, on our haunches for a really long time because stuff's been so good. Um, we haven't, we haven't quote unquote needed, um, good theology on these issues. Um, you know, prayer is prayer. It, it is what it is. We're supposed to do it. We can do it. It, it can make us feel better, but it, but outside of the war context, it's, it's, it's just, uh, it's, it's almost like a, a pious platitude. But when you, when you put it back into, um, the context of war in this armor of God, uh, passage, it really, it, it brings out its full, uh, meaning and and purpose for us. I mean, um, if 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 the if if serving in ministry over the past two years has taught us anything, it's it's that it's that neutrality is a myth. Um, I mean, we've there there is no there is no friendship with this world. Um, light does not have fellowship with darkness, and there the forces in our culture that are anti God and against God um, know full well that we are in a war. Uh, but it seems to be Christians that are uh, cert- not really aware of this. Uh, they're certainly not acting like we are. So um, I think to put it back in this context is going to do a great deal of good um, for the church getting that getting that word out there. I really I really do like the call for fire imagery. I, I thought that was I'm like when you said that uh, when we were talking about it uh, over the past week and you said that I'm like this just makes so much sense. It's like it's it's like it's what it was built for, and it's it's exactly right. <laughs> So, yeah, and, and going to the call for fire imagery. So the artillery men call themselves the king of battle, um, and our infantry is called the queen of battle. And it, it reckons back to chess, where infantry can go anywhere on the board, just like the queen piece. But the king, he is the king of battle. And so when those rounds start coming down, like you know who's the king. Um, and I feel like it's the same with our prayer. Uh, when we, and there, there really is no more, nothing more satisfying than seeing like a gun run, uh, from an Apache or from a, an A-10 or seeing those rounds impact. Like it's, it's, it's this relief. And I feel like it's the same when we see our prayers answered. Um, there's just this, it's, it's a very, uh, not to be an emotional satisfying feeling, but it's like, you know, man, God does answer prayer. You, you get this very fulfilling because it's because we're connected in the spirit 
And so, um, yeah, it's just, uh, to me, that imagery makes sense. It's like, I, you know, my prayers are the radio, right? But God is the one who brings the, the change. God is the one who brings that fire down. Uh, it's not me. It, you know, I'm just the guy with the radio. It's, you know, it's God who does it. Yeah, 100%. I mean, the, the reality is that we save we save prayer for certain times. We save prayer for the dinner table. Mm-hmm. We save prayer for when things are, are really bad. Or we, we say a prayer of thanks for when things are really good. But um, I, I think something that we as Christians need to realize in this current age, and especially as we're, as we're talking about within the context of spiritual warfare, is that the more we pray, the more often we'll see God's grace and mercy to us. Mm-hmm. Because the more we talk about, the more we ask, the more we petition, the more we thank, the more we see God interacting with us in all of those things. Um, if, if, you're not, if you're only praying once a week, you're giving you're you're giving yourself only one opportunity to see somewhere where God is working. If you're praying multiple times throughout the day, constantly petitioning God and, and bringing things before Him, you have so many more opportunities to see where God is connecting to you in in your own life and around you. Um, that was a it was one of the points that um, I believe uh, who is it? I think it's Paul Miller wrote a book called A Praying Life. Really appreciate that book. It, it's a good resource. Um, we've shared with our, our congregants, uh, really, really, really great work on prayer. It doesn't, I don't know if it really touches so much on the, on the spiritual warfare aspect, but just about the necessity of prayer in the Christian life. I think mm-hmm. it does a really good job of saying like, look, we are not availing ourselves to this, to this really, really powerful, um, you know, means of grace that God has uh, allowed us to participate in, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a, it's a really fantastic thing. So, uh, yeah, the more we pray, the more we get to see God, you know, taking action all around us. Yeah. There's a, it's this, it's this deep connection. And the reason it's connected, it's connected directly to war in my mind is because prayer is the thing that literally orients us, um, in the proper position to God. Um, Mm -hmm. and the reality for every Christian, and it's one of those things that I've been thinking about because, um, I am, I am an American and I, I do, um, you are not, <laughs> and I do love, and I do love my country. But there's a there's a weight to the reality that we are citizens of another kingdom. Um, mm-hmm. We are we are citizens of heaven, and I am I I am at best a resident alien uh, on this this temporal plane. And my resident my resident alien and my resident aliency that's alien residency <laughs> alien, alien alienship residency. <laughs> my alien <Alien's> residency <laughs> is is to the united states of america but that's because god put me here i am ultimately a citizen mm-hmm. of heaven i am i am under the sovereign hand of my king god and prayer is specifically given to orient us that's why we see in ephesians 6 uh, starting in verse 10 we are to lean into the power of god right and then after we get we we are gifted this armor from God to fight faithfully in a battle we're called to pray at all times in the spirit it connects us back yeah you have all these things these things will not win for you they will only win for God as you are are immersed in the proper position before him and with him um and and i it makes me run to first timothy chapter 2 verse 8 where paul literally tells uh, Timothy, that he what he wants the men everywhere to do, where he says, I desire then that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. And the position 
of prayer here outlined specifically for men who are to take responsibility and leadership is to pray with their hands lifted, right? And it's to be op- open, outstretched hands. They literally, it's a, it's a position of, of surrendering, but it's not so much a position of surrendering, uh, that, that make that should make us, uh, feel weak and, and inferior and, um, without any power, rather it's an empowering position to surrender to God, right? We're, we're surrendering yeah. ourselves. We don't have our, our fists aren't clenched, right? It's to be without anger and without quarreling. It's, it's open outstretched hands to God who is the sovereign from whom all power and sovereignty flows. And so it's this position that orients us around who God is. Um, and that's just, that is deeply in, impactful. Uh, we, we can't, we cannot win. <laughs> we cannot win this war. It will, it will be only through God's victory that will win this war. Um, he is the one who's victorious. We are called to be faithful. And so we do pray. We pray faithfully. And I know we're going to outline a number of ways in which that prayer is to be, who it's for, um, and, and who we're to interact with in that prayer. Um, but this position is exactly what is modeled uh, in Exodus 17 when Israel fights its first fight as they make their Exodus journey um, against uh, Amalek. And and it's it's literally where we have this picture of, of Moses on a hill overlooking the battle. And when his hands are raised, literally in a position of worshipful prayer of crying out to the Lord, there is victory for God's people. And when his hands are down, when he has removed himself from the, from the position that prayer puts, puts you in, the people begin to lose. And that realization there, and not only that, but he, it requires, it requires uh, uh, her and, and Aaron to actually help him lift his hands. So now we have community prayer, right? Mm. And, and that's actually what achieves victory. It's finding the access to the right position before God, where his power is what is on display, not our power. Yeah. It goes back to what you were saying earlier with, with you being dressed for the battle, but having our, our face to the ground. That's, you know, that's not the, that's not the proper position of prayer and for victory, really. It's, it's our, our hands lifted up, our eyes, our eyes up so that we can see what's going on uh, and being yeah. humble with our hands raised. I, I like, I really like that. I really appreciated that message that you gave on that passage. It was really good. Yes. The spirit, the spirit, uh, works in truth. And that is absolutely the sum total of a, a pastor in the pulpit. <laughs> the spirit works yeah. his truth every time. Yeah. Just a uh, little anecdote. I mean, I, I was just looking up some quotes on prayer for some, from some people and, uh, probably before we get into some different, uh, different ways we can pray is uh, D.L. Moody said this. He says, next to the wonder of seeing my savior will be, I think the wonder that I made so little use of the power of prayer. Hmm. Like, man, this guy knows how to kick himself in the butt. Also, how far has Chicago fallen? (laughs) (laughs) Ouch. (laughs) What is that sound? Oh, that's the sound of, that's the sound of Chicago. Yeah. Just breaking. And so at, you, you brought up the corporate prayer when Moses gets Aaron and her that, to help him up in prayer. Why do you – so speaking of corporate prayer, why do you feel like prayer meetings are kind of a thing of the past in the evangelical community? Uh, Several think, different reasons, I think. Yeah, <laughs> I think it does stem back from the original, original point uh, when you asked – 
why don't we lean into the power of prayer? It's the sum total of why we don't lean into any of the armor of God. We don't, we look at it. The armor of God to the Christian is just like the church to a Christian. It's, it's a museum where there is literally a suit of armor that we look at. It's not something we wear. We don't engage in it because we're not in war. Um, and even the prayer meeting in of itself became such a ritualistic thing. Was it actually about praying in the battle or was it actually, or, or was it a means of, of connecting with the latest happenings of the church or was it actually war? Was it warfare? Were we fighting against sin and Satan and the forces of darkness in high places? Or were we just getting together to catch up again and to share the latest hot gossip in the church? Uh, or, or was it meaningful? And, and when those things happen, and this is what, what happens with the church, when the church ceases to be a body, when it ceases to be the family of God, the bride of Christ, when it ceases to be a living thing and becomes an institution, uh, it loses any of its cultural influence and weight because because it was never designed to be a, a, a museum or a library, right? It was designed to be the active, uh, faithful place of those that were in Christ, and, and it were to be engaged. Um, that's why we, we, we constantly refer to the men of Issachar um, on our podcast. We want to be uh, the men of Issachar who not only could see and understand the times, but also know what the children of God were then to do. How are we then to obey him? Um, which is also a warfare passage, by the way, in First Chronicles, as the men of war coming to join David at Hebron, at Sinai, um, to gather around David to then join him. Uh, as the rightful king that God had chosen for the people of Israel. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we've, I, I mean, we've stated it before, but I, I think that the church in general has pacifized prayer um, to the point where it's, there's no point in doing it because we don't see, we don't see the connection uh, points between what prayer actually is and what prayer is actually doing. I think that there's a fundamental misunderstanding as to what prayer actually is. Um, you know, communing with our God, uh, being able to thank him, being able to talk to him, being able to petition him, um, you know, at, at any time and for anything, um, we have, uh, we have somehow made that miraculous gift, uh, mundane. And we, when we do that, we've stripped it of its power, um, and, and place in our lives and in our services and in our, in, in the daily rhythms of the church. Um, and so, you know, that was one thing, <clears throat> Um, that was one thing that I think we talked about. I, did I mention it in community groups recently? I forget. I think I might have asked a question like, all right, well, what about, what about prayer meetings? Did we start a prayer meeting now? Um, you know, like what, like, because, uh, you know, that's not something that's a part of our church rhythm or church structure currently, but, um, yeah, just the idea, but, but it's, it's not a, it's not a hot goss session. It's, it's not a tea session as, as the kids would say. Um, it's, it's, it's a call, it's a muster right? It's, it's a mustering to, to battle, um, you know, to call in that fire. It's such, such great imagery, such great imagery. And I mean, I know, I know that it's, it's the Bible that gave us that imagery, but it's, it's, it's so, so good. One of the things I love about the, uh, the Ephesians six passage, um, you know, right at the beginning in, in verse 10, um, you know, when it says, finally be strong in the Lord and in the might of his strength, put on the full armor of God. I mean, you know, when, when we think of ancient armor uh, and we think of how, how cumbersome or how heavy it might be, um, you know, there would be those that would assist um, those going to battle in, in putting on their armor. Um, and just the reality that in verse 10, it, it is in the might of God's strength that it, it is God that puts on that armor um, 
for us that, that if we put on if if we attempt to put on armor ourselves we are, we will be wholly inadequate to complete the task we have to be strong in the lord and walk in the might of his power um that's how any of that's how any of these uh points for for spiritual warfare have any punch uh we don't do the punching god does the punching we're just we're just the vessels and there's yeah. some oh, go ahead sorry no i don't mean to cut you off this is your podcast bro it's john's podcast man <laughs> No, and I, I just, you brought up Chicago before, and it's like, as we've, and I, I work, I work in Niagara Falls, New York, on a, at a gospel mission, which is, you know, a homeless mission, homeless shelter, but totally gospel-based, preaching the gospel every day to these guys who are not funded by the state, because state of New York says, if you give us, if we give you money, you can't preach the gospel, and so we're not going to, we're not going to bend to that. But anyways, there, we've, we started polling churches as in you know like taking a poll and seeing how many were doing prayer meetings and even the ones that were like two or three people were showing up from their church and i made the point to our uh leadership i said well that's why the city's as bad as it is you know the people if the people of god are not praying and we look at jeremiah 29 let me just flip there real quick Turning pages. Turning pages. Um, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. That's not the right verse. Seven. Seven. Yeah, my bad. Eleven's <laughs> a good verse, but seven. Uh, seek seek the peace of the city where I have sent you to into exile and pray uh, to Yahweh on its behalf, for in its peace you will have peace, and so. It, God is saying, pray for the city I've sent you to. Um, we need to be praying for the city. And I, we, we said, okay, well, then we need to be the ones who do it. You know, we can't just look at, uh, say, what churches, why are you not doing this? We're like, okay, we're going to offer, you know, and it's start, we're going to starting out this month as a once a month thing just to try to get people like, we need to pray. Like, it, we can't just not pray and say, well, isn't it a shame? And then not do anything about it. That's not what Christians do. Um, that's not how you seize the faith. Hey. 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 Uh, <laughs> There's no such yeah. thing as an apathetic Christian. That's what you're highlighting. Getting uh, unplugged over here. <laughs> <laughs> an apathetic Christian is useless. It, it's 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 an it's it's an irony. It it shouldn't exist. It we cannot be apathetic and be in Christ because Christ has always been about action. God has always moved towards His people. Uh, and, and therefore, to be a faithful Christian means we will always be moving towards God and his call to others. And and the very orientation of yourself in that position of prayer, right, in that position of surrender to the victorious, powerful hand of the sovereign God of all things, and praying for your city puts you in the proper position to actually be an active Christian engaged in the city, right? Prayer is not Prayer is not made to bend God to our will. Prayer is made to is 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 there to conform us to the will of God, to help us commune with our Father, so that our will is His will. We just follow after Him in our desires, um, and and that's that's what that's what we forget. We we get lazy, we get fat and lazy, and we sit back on our brains and we do nothing. Ugh. You know what's kind of funny? It, it's funny because after after Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Uh, you know, which, you know, that, that coffee cup verse where I know the plans I have for you declares Yahweh plans for peace and not for calamity 
to give you a future and hope. Verse 12 says, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You know, you will seek me and find me. And when you search for me with all your heart, I mean, it's followed up actually directly with the action of prayer. And through that prayer, God, God would, will move. It it is, uh, it is interesting. It's almost like he wants us to pray. (laughs) (laughs) You were you're talking a bit about monotony and I, I never, I always, I just love this quote so much from Chesterton, um, how, how we let prayer become monotonous, but really the reality, and I've always said it's, it's in the mundaneness, right? The mundaneness of life are actually the giant moments. It's not, Oh my gosh, I, I'm going to move to a new state. I'm going to go over and fight in a war. I'm going to, it's actually in the mundaneness of nice where the mundaneness of life, where the, the giant battles rage, uh, for our souls and eternity and, and faithfulness to Christ. And this quote from Chesterton reminds us that uh, perhaps when we look at monotony wrong, we look at mundaneness wrong. <clears throat> he says it this way, for grown up people are not strong enough to exalt in monotony, but perhaps God is strong enough to exalt in monotony. It is possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun and every evening, do it again the moon. It may not be automatic necessity that makes all daisies alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately, but has never got tired of making them. It may be that he has the eternal appetite of infancy, for we have sinned and grown old, and our father is younger than we. The repetition in nature may not be a mere recurrence. It may be a theatrical encore. And that, that reality, that monotony that, that we see as just what happens is actually the joy of an ever-eternal youthfulness inside of God to do things again and again the same way as if it's new and brand new every time. And that's what prayer should be every time, an opportunity to engage with the God who has created, loved, and saved us. Here, here. Here. Yeah. <laughs> And so, uh, as we, we move on, I just want to read a couple uh, scripture verses and then talk about uh, intercessory prayer. And so, first is James 5, verse 16, which says, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. And the second one is Philippians Got no room on my desk here. Let's set it on my lap. Philippians 1.19, which says, For I know that this will turn out for my salvation through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Christ Jesus. We also see that Christ intercedes uh, on our behalf, and that's in uh, Hebrews. And so intercessory prayer, what is it and how is it done? Well, you should, one, uh, raise your hands and unclench your fists before a holy God and uh, raise your raise your eyes to him who is the, the holy sovereign. And uh, and then you should, <laughs> we already covered that. Um, what are the, <laughs> I love I love reading James 516 and then we read it and we think <laughs> we think that there's it's actually 
in any way about us. So we, we read, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. All right. That's about us and our sins, right? Or is it rather about you being healed through what God has given to you in a community to actually confess and acknowledge and grow in his, his bride that he has made, right? And then we come to the end of the verse. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working, right? The prayer, the effective prayer of a righteous man avails much. The, those words, as if any of us are truly righteous, those words, <laughs> as if us speaking words as a righteous person is what makes the magic happen. <laughs> it has nothing to do with us because any man that is counted as righteous is righteous because of Christ and the Holy Spirit in him. That is what makes a person righteous. And it is, it is that, that righteousness, the righteousness that comes from the shed blood of Christ at Calvary that atones for us where he exchanges our unrighteousness for his righteousness that makes prayer effective. And so one, you read this verse and you automatically, if you are an honest person, you automatically feel disqualified, right? Like what, what is my prayer going to do? I am not a righteous man. So why pray? It's not going to do anything, but rather if every person in Christ realizes that it is his righteousness that makes that prayer an effective prayer, it is not your words. It is not your actions. It is the righteousness of Christ that makes that prayer powerful. That's how we can actually engage and feel encouraged to at all times pray and be connected to the power of God so that that armor isn't just some rusty thing sitting in the corner, but it's something we wear every day inside the spiritual fight. Dag gone. <laughs> here, here. I mean, you know. <laughs> You're not really leaving much room for us to add things. Hey, don't invite me on a podcast then, okay? Yeah. Jeez, that's it. I'm going to bed. <laughs> that, that fiery mohawk is getting after <laughs> Give me this hammer. <laughs> Give me the hammer. Where's the hammer? <laughs> the carpet if you need a hammer must come. It must smash the table. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, in our prayers, um, that, that, that's a good way. I mean, none of us are righteous. And I, and I think back to the way this, that verse is structured. I think back to Mark 11, when Jesus is, is telling them that they have faith and they ask, you know, if they ask, you can cast this mountain into the, uh, into the sea. And then he says, therefore confess your sins. <laughs> and it's like, you know, we always forget that part. You know, we want to, we want to pray for uh, for that mountain to be cast away, but we don't want to pray that our that our hearts are cleansed. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, we I, we just walked through uh, at church this past week uh, how uh, right in Exodus nineteen how uh, God inst- instructed the people of Israel to approach uh, Mount Sinai. You know, God's going to come in in, in in smoke and fire and and speak in thunder and, and lightning and the, the whole mountain will tremble and you know we're not talking about a burning bush anymore we're talking about a, a mountain engulfed in flame and smoke and he you know he, he tells he tells Moses all right go tell the people go wash their clothes be ready for the third day I'm, I'm coming on the third day go wash their clothes and uh, you know we pose the question well you know how clean is clean enough right like <laughs> how many times did you wash that did you wash that same piece of cloth <laughs> to say like is this clean enough to meet God at the base of this mountain right now? Um, you know, it, and it's just the idea that God's holiness hasn't changed. Um, God's holiness hasn't changed. And, you know, there is a, the beautiful, the beauty, the absolute beauty of the sacrifice of Christ cleansing us from our sins, but also the daily reality that 
that we are living still uh, here while we are positionally uh, clean. Uh, we still are in the muck and mire and wrestling with our sin. Uh, we are in the process of sanctification, but not sanctified yet. And so uh, I think that aspect of confession is still so vital and important to the, to the believer because uh, we, humility is such an important trait um, to have. Um, and it's especially men. I mean, when you read the Puritans, when you read, um, you know, so many men of old, just how almost like self-deprecating, you know, they, they can be. Uh, and I think that they really dwell a lot on just how evil they were. I mean, you know, they didn't have Netflix to watch. So what else are you going to think about? Well, I guess think about how terrible I am. (laughs) Now, holy God is, you know? Um, and so we, we get distracted, I think a lot. And so we don't really think about us and our sin very much. So, that, that was a, that's a great point. Um, and I think the beauty about, I think the beauty of praying for other people, um, and, and bringing, bringing them before the Lord, uh, is that there's also, there, there's also the, the beauty, there's the beauty of the act itself, right? The, the fact that we can bring our, our friends, our family, our, our unsaved loved ones, our, our sick friends, our, uh, you know, relatives with chronic illnesses and, and all sorts of things before the Lord in prayer. Um, but there's, there's also community, um, all wrapped up in that. We have to know people in order to know what to pray for. Um, and you can't really pray very effectively for people you don't know. So it's just another push to get to know people, you know. You know, if, if you're going to church or if you're, if you're not going to church, you, you, like, you, you have to rub elbows with um, people, people in your community, but also people in your church community, so that you can know how to effectively lift them before the Lord in prayer, um, so that your prayers may be rendered effective uh, and not... Uh, Mm, flaccid <laughs> before the throne of God. It makes me immediately run to the reality that of, of this idea of repentance because repentance is so uh, unique in inside of the Christian faith. I like how you read my part of the notes there. Those are... <laughs> <laughs> well, you did a good job. Because when you well, here's where, here's where I was going. With it. You set up the mountain so well. Um. And and you set it up so well because it's something that's going to be uh, I'm going to be referencing what God what God's presence on this mountain looks like throughout the throughout the rest of the we're about to go through you know the twelve for those chapters. of you that don't go to our church we're we're in, we're in Exodus <laughs> we're about we're, we're literally right now at the Ten Commandments and we're going to be going through you know twelve chapters of law that God is giving to Moses but while God's giving this law to Moses and the mountain has taken this form of the presence of God in this very overtly powerful way, right? It becomes mundane to the people and they're at the base of the mountain. And at some point, despite the fact that God's presence and power is literally visible on the mountain, they say, Moses is gone. He's not coming back. Let's melt down all of our gold into a giant calf and worship that. Like that's it was Lala, it was Lollapalooza at the, at the base of right, the mountain, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. That, that's what that's what we are. That's how quickly we forget, and and that's why we're to be praying. That's why Ephesians six tells us to pray at all times. That's why it, what First Thessalonians pray without ceasing, 
right? Yeah. We are to be constantly in prayer to put ourselves in the right position. And and he calls us first to love the church. If you don't love the church, then how how are you to know that you love God? You can't say you love God and not love his bride and not love those people in community with you at church and know them and pray for them. And then on top of that, when you do that, you are better, you are you are ready. You are ready because you are in your war, your war garb and you are ready to fight the battle so that when you talk to somebody at work, when you talk to somebody at the store, when you bump into somebody from high school and they have a hurt and a need, you're ready to immediately turn to prayer. Can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? That's really hard. I would love to be able to pray for you. I can pray for you right now. Is that you're uncomfortable with that? Well, just know you will be in my prayers. I will follow up with that. We're engaged in the fight. Because it's just like it's it's so funny. We're we will we will forget that God's presence indwells His people, and we will make a golden calf. We'll make it of social media. We'll make it of Netflix. We'll make it whatever. We'll make it of reading the Bible, as if reading the Bible is the God. And and we do these things and begin to worship the golden calf when God's powerful presence is right in front of us. Oh man! But that's what intercessory prayer is all about. It's being engaged in the battle with with our brothers and with and with and for the world because they cannot pray for themselves. I I have a question for John. Oh yeah. Can I ask you a question John on your own podcast? Is Interview that okay? time. Your way. <laughs> uh all right. So, so I I have a question here. So all right, so you you mean you you're familiar obviously. You're quite familiar with the idea of calling for fire, right? So in what ways, because that's, that's, uh, that's an earthly picture for what we're talking about yeah. with, with the power of prayer. In what ways is our access to God even better than the military access to, in, in a wartime scenario, like in a real world, wartime scenario, is, is there a better access that we have to God in prayer than you do? Like can stuff go wrong when you're trying to call in fire on, on the battlefield? Yes. <laughs> and so that, it's not a perfect <laughs> parallel. <laughs> No, I mean, so it, but I mean, in, in what ways is is our access to God even better than that? Like, yeah, and so, like, for instance, our access. So, when you call for fire, um, in a typical scenario, I'm laying down. You know, I was in reconnaissance pretty much my entire time in the army, being a sniper and in, in an actual long range reconnaissance team. And so, we would lay there, and one of our main, you know, attacks would be to, uh, or strategies would be to call for fire. So we would have a pre-planned target, which is we would know the grid location and we would go through the, the, the form. There's literally a format that you follow and you would call for fire. Well, the rounds never actually impact where you call for fire. It's very rare that they will get hit perfectly on the first time. And so you, you have to bracket your way in and you have to say, well, you're sitting there with your binoculars and they got this crosshair and you got to bracket in and call them over the radio to tell them, Hey, move it this far, this far, this far. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Until they get it right. So move left. Access, no, the other left. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so our access to God, he's never missing his target. Mm. Right. And even when it seems like he's missing his target, he's actually hitting what really needs to be hit. Mm. Um, and so the parallel does break down where if you've called for fire, like, you know, you're never getting it on the first try. <laughs> um, and in our prayer, you know, you just, you think you just do one prayer and done 
you know, God expects us to continually go into the throne with him. But mm. obviously we're really, we are adjusting onto yes. God rather than adjusting God onto our target. Amen. Um, and so I think that's where, you know, and you talk about prayer on a literal battlefield. I mean, that the, the old saying, there's no atheist in a foxhole, mm. um, it rings true. And so, uh, you know, it is a, you know, prayer is something that, any people who even the, the least religious of person will go to prayer when the times are dire um, because we know naturally we see in Romans one, we know naturally that uh, there is a God. So, yeah, hundred percent. Are you going to say no, his yeah, divine power? Just, yes. His divine Justin power just is revealed close to his every, face. every uh, aspect of creation. His divine power is on display. Amen. <laughs> I was just like, wait, yeah. I'm like, am I supposed to talk? You? I just love that. I just love that point. Romans one is great. Uh, Romans one, Paul outlines the essential fact, and that that is this: everyone knows God is real. You either you will either be with God and for Him, or you will be against Him. You will reject Him. You. It is an active rejection of God to look around you and say, "Up oh, now, this this is this is all accident, and I am my own God." You you ha- you are you're literally rejecting him purposefully. There is no. <laughs> it's one of these. Oh, it's it's so it's so cruel that God would choose, right? It's so cruel that God would 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 elect his heirs and and bring them into his family and and oh, what a, what a cruel and callous God. No, no 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 no. You sit down with your faulty perspectives. You you have a you have the wrong position. You have posi- your position is wrong. God is present. He is right there. You have rejected everything to do with him because you hate him. You hate him. It is a just God. It is a just God that does not bring you into his family when you hate him and his family. Yeah. I mean, as a brother pair that makes t-shirts, we made a batch of t-shirts that just says God hater. So whenever somebody comes with that perspective, we just hand them the shirt. Just says God hater on it. Here you go. That's not true. That's not true. <laughs> That's not true. We but, could but do as that, Jesse, as and Jesse, it would be funny for Jesse some people. <laughs> spoke it into existence, and so if you would like your free God hater, next April Fools, we should print yeah. a limited run of the God hater tea. <laughs> oh no, we, we're not going to do that. We're, we're yeah. definitely not. We could print it for. We could print it in June. Why? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I know what June is. It's, it's a the, special it's the month, month for the people. Yeah. For the people that take back the, the God, for the God hating, take back the rainbow. Anyway, <clears throat> we're on prayer. Yeah. Prayer, is, prayer is spiritual war, guys. Come on, stop yeah. messing around. So, inter- so intercessory, intercessory prayers. Do you think we hit that I'm sorry, enough? Inter- what? Intercessory yeah. prayers. <laughs> we hammer that one. <laughs> we, we, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I, I personally just, just to bring this, I love Nehemiah. It's one of my favorite. I, I never know. Maybe you guys, this is kind of a little off topic, but. You call them Bible characters because they're real people. Is yeah, that I, how you reference I, 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 the people of the Bible? I don't know. I mean, like, I feel like I always grew up like doing that. You know, the story of blah 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 blah. You know, like, yeah. you know, biblical biblical accounts. One of my favorite biblical accounts. Maybe. I mean, yeah. you can just call him the prophet Nehemiah, Nehemiah the prophet, the historical character, the historical prophet Nehemiah. Was Nehemiah a prophet? He was a governor. Oh, he was a governor. He definitely spoke truth, though. That's all I'm saying. It's okay. On, on a Sunday sermon, Justin completely forgot that Leviticus was part of the Bible. <laughs> He's like, yeah, and Numbers and Deuteronomy. And we're like, J- Justin, you went from Genesis to Exodus to Numbers, bro. Like, 
I tried. I'm just trying. I'm just trying to avoid the law, baby. I'm just trying to get around the law. Just, what law? You the, sinful you, you. I'm just saying, like, I'm just saying, the law was our tutor and it brought us to Christ. And now, no, I mean, no, I, no, it's still in it's there. Christ, the Christ, still Christ is Christ is here. There. I have Christ now. Gosh. He's fulfilled the law. Gosh dang. He, the law led me to Christ, and now here's here's Christ, my my savior. Anyway, <laughs> biblical blunders it was aside. An accident. Jeez. So, John, what were you going to say about about Nehemiah? Um, Nehemiah just is one of the the strongest leaders in the Bible. Um, and he's just constantly in prayer. And I was just going to read his prayer in chapter one uh, and then ask you guys a question that's not in the show notes, but I thought about it as I was just looking at this verse. We don't answer any so, questions that yeah, we have prepared no. for. Sorry. <laughs> We've seen how those White House press conferences go. We, we don't we don't do we don't go off script here. I'm here, I'm here for the bobbity boop. Corn pop was a bad dude. And so, verse 5, um, this is when Nehemiah, chapter 1, Nehemiah finds out uh, what's happening in Jerusalem. Um, and it says, I beseech you, O Yahweh, the God of heaven, the great and fearsome God, who keeps the covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear now be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your slave, which I am praying before you day and today, day and night, on behalf of the sons of Israel, your slaves, confessing the sins of the sons of Israel, which we have sinned against you, and I and my father's house have sinned. That's interesting to me because he he's confessing the sins of other people. And I just I've never really thought of that before. Intercessory prayer, we're praying for others, but con- literally confessing the sins of other people. That's just interesting to me. Um, it is interesting. I don't, think, I don't want to cut off your think question. Confesses sins of other people before God. <laughs> it's interesting. It, one of the things that's really interesting about it. Um, we have this written down. So where, how is he praying it? I mean, is it, is it a secret prayer uh, or, or is it an, an audible prayer that, that others are hearing? And I think there's something to that. I mean, I, I know that I have prayed uh, for the sins of my children when they're struggling in the midst of a hard battle. Um, and there's something about us, us hearing our sin and, and the, the forgiveness of a holy God uh, because of of confession that I think can really that really can lead us lead us to a more full and clear picture of that repentance and and of that forgiveness um and i think I think that's kind of one of the points um because Nehemiah as a leader is is doing this in a way to lead right mm-hmm. and and when he uses when he uses the the terms here like like our sin and we have sinned and, and he's speaking in a corporate context. I, I, I also, I also think what we have um, is Nehemiah. He's not trying to hide these prayers. These prayers are, are evident to not only him as he's praying them before God, but to anyone that is able to hear him. Um, and that's a, that, it's very powerful. Um, we, that, I also love as Nehemiah is writing the book. He, there's parts in there where it's like, Lord, please don't forget what I've done. Like you can just tell he's pray, he's praying in frustration mm-hmm. as he's writing it down. <laughs> like, like, and then I, in, in verse, you know, in chapter 13, it's like, then I slapped them across the face. Lord, please remember that I've done the best I can. <laughs> he's like Adam. It's this woman you gave to me, Lord. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything was fine until she decided to eat the fruit. They won't listen, God. The Moses says, "Why is it all the all the leaders over the people of God?" And it's it's literally. I mean, every pastor has the same idea. Like 
why don't they listen, God? Why, why, I, you keep giving me the same message. And uh, and there was a, there was an old anecdotal story. I remember one some, some pastor that I, I heard say it, right? And uh, he he was invited to to preach at a church, and they were looking for a pastor. And he he preached one Sunday. It was very moving and powerful. And the the congregation invited him back to preach the next Sunday. And and he preached the same sermon. And they thought that was weird. And uh, and, and it was still good. And they and they thanked him again. And, and they they said we'd love to have you back again. We we really we really could see you you know fitting into a position here to to lead us. And he came back a third time and he preached the exact same sermon. At this point, they're like, "Do you do you have any other other sermons?" Is there any? And he and he looked at them and said, "Well, that, as soon as you start following God in His truth here in this sermon, then uh, we could probably move on to something else. But until you obey Him, <laughs> this is the only message you need." And uh, and that's just the the reality of us as as followers of God, right? We need the same thing over mm-hmm. and over again. <laughs> yeah. uh, but poor Moses, Nehemiah, these guys lead the people and we just don't listen. <laughs> we don't listen. We yeah. Oh, they, what was the question you wanted to ask? Cause that wasn't in the show notes. Well, yeah. The, the question I want to ask you, that wasn't in the show notes is we see in, in verse four and I, I turned away from it, but in verse four of Nehemiah one, um, as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Yeah, so what role does fasting play in our prayers? Uh, do we, because I know fasting least meet for myself growing up, fasting is something that we never talked about, no one ever practiced it. Is it something that we still do? Because I know there's a lot of Christians who do fast, and then there's a lot of Christians who don't fast. Um, so this is not what's in the show notes, um, but yeah, what, what's the role of fasting today? Blunted. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I, like you, grew up uh, not really understanding really the importance of fasting. Um, I mean, I, I think that, why are you looking at me like that? I feel like I feel like you're I feel like you're sitting in such a way where it's like oh I'm going to trap him or he's going to say something yeah. stupid. <laughs> I just was wanted to hear the insight that you're about to reveal. Oh, know. okay. Um, <laughs> I will judge you later. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. No, no. I mean, so like, yeah. I mean, and it's funny because like you know, like every now and then, right? The pastors get real serious about fasting. Like, oh, we're gonna do we're gonna do a series. Or we're gonna do a sermon on fasting and fasting, fasting, fasting. And then, like, you know, like they walk away from the mirror like the double-minded man. And it's just no more fasting for us. Um, you know, it honestly, it's it's something that I I personally haven't really examined my own heart to do. Um, I know that I know that the Bible mentions fasting as as something that is an important act of worship. And it has a particular purpose in a, in a particular space. Um, fun fact, I don't know if you knew this, John. So uh, actually, all throughout the month of uh, March, um, Aaron Rock's church up in Canada did a that uh, was fasting for uh, to end abortion uh, in their church, mm-hmm. actually, every week. And then they, they ended it um, the last week in April. So I thought that was kind of cool. But what insight do you have, Justin? I, I literally had no further insight, which is kind of ironic. We, uh, we did a series on... <clears throat> Excuse me. We did a series on spiritual disciplines, and one of the spiritual disciplines that's outlined in God's Word um, is is fasting. Uh, prayer and fasting are often go hand in hand. And one of the things that I I think our culture has become such a fast paced culture that not- <laughs> fast paced. <laughs> 
you're talking about fasting. Oh, I get it now. <laughs> I get it now. Um, I made a joke. <laughs> you make a funny. The fast-paced culture uh, has caused people to like. Oftentimes, people will will skip two meals a day without even thinking because they're constantly moving and doing something and. And my wife does that a lot accidentally because of the kids. She just keeps going, 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 and forgets. Right, right. But there's, <clears throat> there's something to the reality that w- what our culture will never be disconnected from. And, and the the point of fasting was to put aside, uh, in, in their culture, one meals were important, and two food was not like it wasn't like we live. We we would we know we can't even comprehend famine. We read famine in the in the Bible in biblical times or we hear of famine famine somewhere far away in another country. We have no concept of famine. We have McDonald's on every corner. We can we can literally eat ourselves to death. Our our struggle in America <laughs> is guilty. Is, <laughs> our struggle in America is 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 the leading cause of death is heart disease and heart disease is caused primarily by one not moving and two Eating like that's you, you there, keep putting... there's a genetic component. <laughs> okay, you know what? Uh, and and since we don't understand, since we don't struggle with that, we can we get so, we can get so busy. Yeah, we could not eat. We could eat. We could not eat a whole day, but we have filled ourselves with social media and engagement and technology and never ever ever being disconnected. And the point of fasting was to disconnect. From the temporal uh, weight of something that is that you do all the time, so that you can be solely focused on your connection in prayer and petitioning the Lord. Um, and I think I think our culture would do well, right, to do fasting, but to use it as a spiritual discipline to pull away from the things that you're actually doing. So for some of us, not eating is not a problem. Um, I, I, as a health benefit, I do intermittent fasting, so I don't. I, I will do 18 hours of not eating. Right. And six hours of eating as a window of eating. And and that's not a big deal to me. Like, that's fine. I could I could literally fill up my time and not do and not even eat those six hours because there's always something for me to be engaged with. Um, but fasting from many any number of things would allow you to have focused time on God in your prayer and in your reading and in your engagement with him. And I think it's a, it's it is an absolute necessity to be disciplined in that. Um, and, and that can be, it can be simple, um, listening to a sermon and praying as you're listening and and really calling on those things and disconnecting from social media and, and not just sitting down and watching nine hours of television. And, and like all of these ways are to, are, are ways we can, we can separate ourselves from this constant flow of engagement that, that is ultimately unhealthy anyway for us. And two, replacing that with what fasting was intended to do was centering yourself around the sovereign God. Uh, so I think it's a great, like a great spiritual discipline for us to be engaged with, and it does have a place. Um, and and for those for those of you who don't eat already, um, it, it don't think you're already doing it. <laughs> rather, <laughs> rather think about what you're filling up your time with uh, instead of God, and put that small G God aside so that you can worship the one true God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I, and for me, when my fasting discipline uh, is when I do, I, I purposely don't eat for my fast because when I'm hungry, that is a trigger to pray for whatever I'm fasting for. That's just my, my rhythm for it. So if I'm fasting, like you said, they were fasting to end abortion. Like, so if if that's our, if that's what we're fasting for, then every time I'm hungry, I pray that, you know, God would 
end abortion in, in our, and we, he would use us to do those, to accomplish those means. Um, and so that's, that's kind of how I've practiced it. Um, but like I said, kind of like you were saying too, Jesse is like, it's just never been really talked about. And so I know that there's, there's scripture that says, Jesus says, you know, don't, don't talk about it when you do it. But obviously that's not, that's meaning, you know, not saying, well, look at me, I'm fasting, uh, not we <laughs> getting up on Twitter. Hey guys, fasting today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, not, Hey, we're not going to teach people what this spiritual discipline is. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, it feel is what's happened. Well, yeah, it's a lot like prayer, right? I mean, it's just these, these things that are, that exist that are just, have just become so either trite or it's like, oh, that's a nice thing to think about or, oh, I can see how that could tie into the spiritual life, but not really actually employing and, and pulling on the power of those things. Um, you know, and I, 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 I think I would say definitely truly to our detriment, honestly, um, you know, for sure. So, I mean, while it was a neglected, you know, aspect of my Christian upbringing, uh, I, that's not me. That's not to say that I think that it's not important or not yeah. something that I should look into or, or, or should get to know more or should practice even. I'm not, I'm just, I'm just saying that I did grow up fairly ignorant <clears throat> because it's an inconvenient thing and, and American Christians don't like inconvenient things, you know, for sure. Yeah. And so unless, do you have anything else to add on fasting there, Justin? Well, I, I, um, I think one of the things that Paul talks about fasting from for married couples is from sex. I mean, he talks about that in First Corinthians uh, seven. Um, so there's the fasting can can be from many things, uh, and I think I think your the the food one was to trigger um, the reminder that you're hungry, but the same thing could be true of your phone. Like every time you go to reach for your phone and you're fasting from it, should be a reminder. Wait, no, I'm not doing that. I'm I'm praying. I'm praying. Could you imagine how many times Christians would pray if instead of picking up their phone and engaging with it, they prayed? Oh my gosh, the whole day would be filled with prayer. Detroit, Detroit would have such a revival, we'd have the auto industry. Back. Oh my gosh. So the last thing I wanted to talk about um, I was like, Detroit, is... where's he going with Detroit? <laughs> Motor City, baby. Uh the last thing I want to talk about is imprecatory prayer. Um, and this is something that Christians nowadays, at least in my experience, really don't like to talk about or acknowledge in the Bible. John, you're um, so mean. You're going to talk about mean imprecatory prayers. You're just mean. And so during our uh, thunderclap for 9-11, I think that's what we called it way back when. Um, thunderclap. That was one thing that, that I was – very keen on doing was imprecatory prayers like i i genuinely wanted to see god literally rain fire down and consume the taliban that was not what he decided to do in his providence um but like what what is the um what is the role for imprecatory prayer today uh and i I can say why don't people do it, but we just kind of answered that because it sounds mean uh, <laughs> to pray that God would destroy your enemies, um, especially when you're supposed to pray for your enemies. And I've always, always viewed this as a way to pray for my enemies. Um, but yeah, Amen. let's talk about precatory prayer. <laughs> I love imprecatory prayers. Why, why would we, uh, I mean, I, I guess my, my question to every Christian that struggles with imprecatory prayers uh, would be, 
why do you not love the justice of God? What about the justice of God do you not love? Um, God is just. God cannot be anything outside of his character. He is all the things of his character, completely bound by his character only. And and I, I would I would just... Why do you hate the justice of God? Why do you not rejoice in the justice of God? Nobody wants to serve this unicorn pinata God that everyone talks about. That is not a God anyone wants to serve. We are so full of crap when we say stuff like that. Like, oh, I just want the God of love, and he's just going to come and surround me with peace. You know when you know when peace comes? Peace comes after victory. That's when peace comes. Peace comes... <laughs> Peace comes after the war is won. That is when you have peace. And and I'm I'm sorry. God God is a god of justice, and we rejoice in justice. No one no one wants an unrepentant Hitler to to be exalted as a joint heir of Christ. I'm sorry. That God is a that that is a disgusting God that you serve. Um, that is not how the justice of God works. It is a good and holy and righteous thing. So that's how that's what I'd say. How about that? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, honestly, honestly, life's been so good that it's been rare that I've actually ever really considered having to pray in precatory psalms um, or in precatory prayers, rather. But um, honestly, I've I've thought more about imprecatory prayers in the past two years talking with our Canadian friends um, just about the wicked, the, the vile wickedness that their government was bringing down upon them. Um, and it's really brought it to the forefront. Um I, I know, uh, like Dr. Aaron Rock and and uh, Pastor Rayom and uh, all of those men um, really have have more than once talked about uh, either publicly or privately, you know, praying uh, in, in precatory prayers on on leadership um, and, and just for repentance as well. I mean, it's not that our desire for repentance fades, but it is the it is the it, it bumps up against the reality that such poor tyrannical leadership affects so many people um, and that God would just put an end to it. Um, you know, it, it, uh, what, what is the, what is the epistle? Is, is it in one of the Timothy Pat Timothy or Titus where it, it talks about, uh, um, praying and uh, living peaceable and quiet lives. Um, Don't remember. For leaders that that you may live a peace peaceful life. Peter, as it's, maybe, I think maybe it's First Peter. Timothy. Yeah, I feel like it's one of the Timothy epistles. But, but I mean, you can't live. You you can't pray for peace. Um, or, or not. I, I don't want to. I don't want to say the wrong thing. We we should pray for peace, but we should also pray for an end to tyranny. Because when tyranny when tyranny ends, that's that's what like Justin said that that is when you can have that peace. Um, and we have a role to play even in, even in tumultuous times, um, even when pastors are being jailed in Canada or when, or when, you know, lawsuits are being held or they seize, they seize your property, uh, you know, because they don't like what you're, what you're doing with your church, you know, stuff like that. I mean, we, we, there is faithfulness to be had and even, even there, it's not to say that because we live in tumultuous times, we can't have that, that we get to stop being Christian <laughs> and we get to stop doing, you know, Christian things. But all the more, um, we, we can pray for peace, but God can bring about peace by judging sin and wickedness. Um, and and the Psalms gives us, excuse me, incredible license um, to, to think and to feel these things and also to communicate these things to God. 
Um, you know, David so often petitions God to be the judge and arbiter in, in these issues. Um, you know, attempting not to, I, I think, attempting not to take vengeance for himself uh, in the situations where he could as king sometimes. Um, so pr- praying for God's justice sometimes, um, or oftentimes, even especially in our own lives, God shows great, amazing grace. Um, you know, I would remind some of our Canadian friends, and I would have to remind myself that the the quickest way for whatever it, it is going on to end in our government is for their their hearts to change and, and God to bring about a huge wave of repentance. Yeah. What a glorious thing that would be. How often do we pray for that? Um, but just, just as well, the imprecatory prayers, I, I believe, are totally on the table. Uh, and for someone who would argue that they're not would have to really provide me with some really good biblical evidence for why we get to ignore those passages. Um, and, and not not be able to apply them to our lives. I mean, God gave them to us in His songbook. Why why would we? Why do we get to ignore them? You know, what, what are we doing? Are we just chopping this thing up, or like, <laughs> you know, like what are we, what are we doing here? So or unhitching the Old Testament. Yeah, it's just un- unplugging right. it. Yeah, and so yeah, I just want to read that verse that you you referenced, First Timothy two uh, one and two. First of all, then I exhort that petitions and prayers, requests, and thanksgiving be made for all men, uh, for for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. And I think people hear that, that lead a tranquil life, uh, or tranquil and quiet life with all godliness and dignity, and they forget that that comes by keeping our leaders in prayer, that they may fulfill their duty to right. uh, uphold, uphold good and punish evil. Yeah. Um, because when we stop praying for our leaders and, and, and I mean, I'm guilty of, of this as well. I mean, and being lazy and lax in my prayer life. Um, but then I, I have one thing that God convicted me with is like, don't complain about it if you haven't prayed about it. There you go. Uh, if, if you walk around and you say, man, this, you know, I just use Niagara Falls cause it's where I live, but and I walk around Niagara Falls and it's, it's trash heap now. I mean, we have, we have literally a world wonder right here. Um, natural world wonder in the Niagara Falls. And all you have to do is walk outside the state park and you're looking at getting mugged um, mm. because of just how terrible it is. I mean, I was talking to a pastor today uh, on the phone uh, in, the, in the inner city there. And, and he said that last year it rose from seven homicides to 20 a year. Oh, wow. Um, and in our small, it's a very small city too. It's not like it's, it's not New York city or anything. And so, um, it's just sad. And I, and I think, and how many people have I talked to that said, Oh, that's such a shame that it's like that. And they drive outside the city and they don't, they never pray for it. <laughs> and so, you know, and it's so like, we can't say what a shame if we're not going to commit. Um, and war, you know, we talk about spirit kind of bringing it all back together is we talk about spiritual warfares, uh, and prayer and prayer is warfare, but we forget that war is hard. Like it's not easy. And people that, you know, you don't just go to bat, you don't just say, okay, cool, check the box with war. Like it's, it's a, it's a day in and day out. And, and our thing, I had a conversation with a guy like we're not, so my podcast isn't the godly Navy SEALs or the godly special forces or, or the godly elite uh, combat op- tactical op- squad. Yeah. It's, it's a godly grunts. <laughs> it's a godly grunts because the grunts are the, the dudes in the foxhole. Like who are there day in and day out getting rained on, you know, peeing in their pants because they're in a firefight. Like that's that's the dude. Like that's what we're expected to be. The the guy who just guts it out and fights, and that and we do that through prayer. We gut it out and fight through prayer. 
And so just a, a last, a very last thing, if you could uh, encourage our uh, our listeners, anyone listening to this, with what is your guys' daily prayer rhythm? Uh, or dis- how do you discipline yourself in prayer? Just in case someone's like, man, I, I really want to up my prayer life. How How do I do that? What would you encourage them with? Um, well, I, I think that you're going to get two different answers from each of us, I think. So that, that, that's great. Two for the price of one. Here. I'm a hundred percent positive right, of that. Spice of life. I also am 100% positive of that. Um, so my, my rhythm is actually, I, I tend to have a, a concentrated effort, uh, in the mornings or at least at some point throughout the day where I, uh, I get into the word. Um, and then I actually write, I write out my prayers. Um, it just really helps me focus. My brain goes a bajillion different directions. Um, it's just constantly going with stuff. Um, it's super easy for me to get distracted. Um, and so just, uh, sitting down and focusing and writing out, writing out my prayers to God. I, I hope one day that, that, that my children have books full of prayers from their father, just seeing what I'm struggling, seeing what I can struggle with, uh, seeing how I think through things and how hopefully over the years I've grown closer and closer to God, um, and how I pray as well. But, um, really just in, in the immediate moment, it's really just a, a concerted effort to help me focus and, uh. And that's that's kind of my daily rhythm of prayer. And Justin's. <laughs> so unlike unlike Jesse's incredibly disciplined level of prayer, I uh, I have found that uh, my entire rhythm of life is to do exactly what God's put in front of me. Uh, so my my encouragement on prayer is to do it. Um, when someone asks for prayer, when a prayer request comes through, pray for it. Uh, if you tell someone you're going to pray for them. Pray for them. Don't don't wait to do it. Pray right then and there. If someone has given you, if if God has pressed impressed something upon you to think about, you should be praying for it. And and so for me, it's it's much more an an ebbing and flowing of prayer. Um, I have I have had the joy of praying for people um, throughout my work day for for years now, especially as I've seen people on the regular. Um, I guess yeah. Jesse's a Jesse's a full time nurse. I'm a full time UPS driver. So we do have full time jobs. We didn't say that at all. <laughs> We're not actually n- nothing we do here is in any way a <laughs> a means of We're full time me- podcasters. A means of gain. <laughs> this is strictly just ministry. Um, and so jewels it, in the crown. Uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, great. We just lost all those jewels. That's a lot. <laughs> no, but I mean, I've I've. I've always been a very open person and people tend to talk to me about just about anything. So I've been able to pray for people who need liver transplants. I've been able to pray for people who, you know, uh, Hey, my, my, my brother-in-law is, uh, is, is near death. I've been able to pray for people's random family members all throughout the town that I deliver every day because I know people now. And, and I think that that's, that's an important thing at the same time when I'm thinking about my kids or sports or their school, when I'm thinking about my wife who is, you know, having to be at home with the kids, like those are moments to pray. They're not, they're not things to think about to solve problems in those moments. Uh, that's, that's God gifting you a, a, a window into actually remembering what's going on around you. That's not, not just focused on myself. Uh, and, and it's a, it's a, it's a window in which he's saying, cry out to me. Like you can't, I can't be at home with my wife when she has, you know, when she has worked overnight and she's going to have to pick up the kids from school and she's going to be tired and have to parent, you know, three little sinner terrorists. I mean, that's what kids are. And, yeah. and, 
and pray, praying for her in those moments. Um, and then the next thing I would encourage is, uh, if it can't be immediate at some point, remind someone that you prayed for them, tell them that you actually prayed for them because that encouragement connects one them to the reality that you love them because God loves them. And, and two, it connects them to the ability to actually be able to see God work. Um, how many times have I prayed for someone and, and two days later I see them and I said, Hey, I was praying for you. And they've been able to say, wow, you know what? The, I, I really was encouraged that day in that situation. And, and it's amazing that God could work in that way. I'm, these are simple, um, moment by moment faith living the war out, uh, things that we can do, um, on the daily. Two very different answers. We're very different people, uh, although we do have an incredible camaraderie <laughs> as mm. brothers. We are two very, very different people. Yeah. As you were talking, you actually reminded me. So, at, as an emergency department nurse, um, you know, a lot of people I know that I'm a pastor, like in the department, uh, and in the emergency department, there is no shortage of tragedy. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I've I've had God has opened up the door for me to be able to pray. Um, you know, with, with parents who have just lost a child to, uh, just people who are scared, um, you know, people who've lost their loved ones. And it's, uh, it's, it's quite a crazy thing. I've, I've gotten calls from all, all throughout the hospital actually, <laughs> because it, you know, it, it's stupid. So we have, we have an on-call, an on-call priest, right? Like a, a Catholic priest that's contracted or I don't know if contracted or whatever donates to his time to the thing, but he won't come and pray with people who aren't Catholic. So, you know, I've, I've been called by the ICU, like, hey, we tried to call the on-call priest. He's not coming. Uh, he said he won't come. Like, can you come? This person just wants somebody to pray with them. And it's like, as long as they'll let me pray to Jesus, I'll come and pray for them. Like, we're like, yes. Like, what do you, what is, what a stupid, first off, what a stupid thing. What an absolutely stupid, moronic thing for that priest. To, anyway, I'm just yeah. like, I, I was incensed at that. I was so, like, flabbergasted that that was a real response first of all but anyway um, well how will they know where to write the check to yeah, if well, they don't know if they're in the catholic all right sure yeah no no peace with rome but <laughs> but god god does even in the course of my work my work day and god has blessed me with an immense freedom oh i've prayed i i one of the uh, one of the floors in the hospital lost uh one of their techs in, in a tragic accident um and the charge nurse you know just asked me if i would if i would pray for them so I was able to go in a little bit early to work one day and, and pray for their entire unit just there in the middle of the nursing station, you know, hubbub going all around. And God's just been able to really open up opportunities. I'm flabbergasted that I'm allowed to do that and still have a job, quite frankly. Um, but, you know, just so that's it's not a really a rhythm of prayer, but that's certainly a, an important aspect uh, of, of a ministry of prayer that God's somehow placed me in for whatever reason he sees fit you still have a job because there's no atheists in the foxhole as john said earlier uh, those, no, those, those are the moments of of intense you know intense tragedy um uh, there's there's only in a crying out to the eternal appeal eternal appeal in those moments yeah. i mean i i would i think that's another encouragement maybe i don't Go know in the prayer because let people know that you know christ is your savior like don't be, yes. don't be a, like, I'm not saying go out, like one of the things I don't lead with, uh, at work is I'm a pastor, but now everyone knows that because at some point it's going to come up. Like, I'm not going to hide it, but I'm not like, I'm a pastor and 
do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Like I, that's not how I lead off every conversation. I'm 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 a broken sinner. I remind men constantly at work, and I I mean I work with land sailors. That's what we are. It's a uh, uh, honestly, I, I also I love the men that I'm able to work with at UPS because most of them have families and wives, um, and and care for their families and kids, and they work hard to provide. Um, but like the honor it is to have you know one of them say, "Hey, my marriage is really struggling right now. Can can you pray for me? Uh, how would you counsel me?" Like there, there's a joy in that. And if they don't know that you know Christ, <laughs> um, then then how are they going to know that you're saved by grace? How are they going to know that you? You you love them on a, on a, in a way that actually is their full and eternal personhood. Um, so so don't be don't be a don't make it a secret. <laughs> Hide it under yeah. a bushel. No, I'm gonna, gonna let, let it shine. shine. Do, 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 well, everyone, stop listening okay. to the podcast now. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So to so to close this out, Jesse, if someone is listening to this and they do not have Jesus as their Lord and Savior, what would you tell them? Uh, I would encourage them to humble themselves uh, and, and repent uh, that all of humanity is tainted by sin uh, because of the fall of our first father, Adam, uh, and that sin requires a sacrifice to be paid in order for us to be made clean, uh, and that the beauty of us living in this day and age is that Christ, uh, the fullness of deity come in man, uh, God's son, uh, was the perfect sacrifice uh, to cleanse uh, all of us, uh, all of our sin. Uh, and he uh, died to pay for the sin, and he resurrected to to keep the sin in the grave um, for us, and that by uh, placing our trust and our faith in him uh, to cleanse us of those sins and then to live a life in obedience to his commands uh, brings such great freedom and joy, the likes of which you will never know if you do not humble yourself uh, and repent. So that, that would be my encouragement. If you were tag-teaming this, this conversation, Justin, what would you add, if anything? I would say that you you're you're wasting the entire breadth of your life um, if you're not going to tap into the fact that God has has created you with a purpose. Uh, it's like being handed uh, a submariner watch with all the dials and the buttons and, and you know, they do something that, you know, that there's meaning and purpose to this really expensive gift. Um, but if you don't actually turn to the one who made it uh, to understand it and know it, you're, you're just waste. It's just a paperweight to you. And, and God has given a life to you and he has given it to you for a purpose and to not, to not seek out to know him. Uh, to not thirst after him is to not know why you exist, to not know why you you have a wife, to not know why you're entering combat, to not know why you go to a job. All of these things are answered in Christ, and, and to not turn to him is just such a waste. He has given such a gift. He has so much to offer, and, and, and to waste it would just be foolishness, and that's what I would say. <laughs> All right, well... Amen. Appreciate you guys coming on. And uh, yeah, this has been this has been a good time. Praise the Lord, man. We love you, brother. Yeah, love you too. And if you guys want any amazing Christian apparel, <laughs> or <laughs> this is the place to go, Carpe Fide. And I'll put that at the end of like a little recording at the end of this to put Ooh. all your guys' links and stuff like that. So. Well, we love you, man. All of our listeners know that uh, the Godly Grunts is where you can turn when you need uh, encouragement in the fight. That's for sure. Yeah. Not everybody, not every podcast can say that they've interviewed John Cooper. 
Uh, and, uh, <laughs> we, we can say he's a regular contributor he's to the Carpe Fide yeah. ministry for sure. Yeah. The Carpe Fide Fellowship, as some might call it. That's awesome. All right. Appreciate it, guys. Later, brother.